On November 10th, Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson reunite on the big screen as Captain Marvel and Nick Fury to assemble the MCU's next team, the Marvels. After Captain Marvel gets her powers entangled with teenage superhero Miss Marvel and Captain Monica Rambeau, the three heroes will learn teaming up changes everything. Don't miss Captain Marvel's return November 10th in the Marvels, only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Get your tickets now. Max, the one to watch for the best in entertainment, now has live sports with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Stream hundreds of select live games from MLB, NBA, NHL, U.S. Soccer, and NCAA Men's March Madness. And it's all included for a limited time with any Max subscription. After the promo period, add it for $9.99 a month. Base subscription required. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Them. Welcome back, listeners. So we have another lovely guest for you today. Tonight we have Carolina Gropa. She's the she is a producer, actress, and creator of the podcast Life with Kaka, which oh my is God, awesome. Girl, Been I listening. Love, love your name. Thank you. What? Oh I love your name. Oh my God. Thank you. This is crazy. Is this why you invited me on? Because you were like, Actually, I just want to meet. May that have been was... the deciding factor. <laughs> Might have been. I was like, Carolina. Yes. Carolina. She's already amazing. Yeah. yeah. I feel really <laughs> outnumbered here, guys. <laughs> no, you're amazing too. No, no, so we love you. Uh, we just all have unique names though that's fun right yeah, like absolutely yeah i mean how many I times do you guys meet another carolina not as well, often yeah i mean it, yeah they're usually carolines or carolines mm-hmm. or they go by carolina but very rarely it's a carolina yeah so, i dig it say say it say it like you know the way with the flavor brazilian carolina <laughs> yes yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and i love the title of your show life with kaka Thanks. yeah because yeah. there's a lot of kaka yeah. A lot of caca. So the, the title actually comes from my nickname because in Portuguese and Brazilian, Carolina, Ka, mm-hmm. Ka is like we always shorten people's names oh. for whatever reason. So you it's, you call someone Ka or the first like sort of uh, mm-hmm. syllable of their name. Mm-hmm. And so he goes Ka, Kaka. And so growing up, it was always Kaka, Kakinha was always my nickname. <laughs> yeah. And while it means poop in some languages in Portuguese, it's often just is referred to like something messy or, mm-hmm. and I was definitely a messy child. And so when this <laughs> idea came up, I was like, well, life with Kaka, life with me, but really digging into the messy parts of life mm-hmm. through the lens of producing, it sounds perfect. Yeah. And it yeah. makes total sense. Like, I mean, we talk about it all the time, like all the lessons we've learned from mistakes and yeah. you know, it, it's all messy. <laughs> exactly. And you just gotta, just, just gotta, gotta get into it. it. Gotta yeah. roll with it. It's... Yeah. And it's funny because we all know that it's messy, but I think sometimes we get lost in some of the images we can see that 
take away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they sort of put the veil over this idea that like, well, maybe for them it wasn't messy and it just all worked out perfectly, you know, (laughs) when it's like, no, you just never know what's behind the the realities of a thing, you know? Absolutely. Oh, I love that. It just makes me think of like why me and Tessa don't really Instagram story our lives or meetings more often because it's usually not cute. Like we're yeah. not, not cute. Yeah. We, we try to look cute for this and like it's not always. <laughs> usually the, I'm especially the one in like sweatpants. You know, Carolina's coming from her office job, so it's a little different. <laughs> but a little for, the, for the listeners, they both look very cute. Of important information. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we get too deep into this, I just want to talk about the tea real quick. Oh my God, yes, the best. Always got to mention. Um, so Carolina brought this one. It is Twinings of London. Yum. Orange and cinnamon spice. Um, delicious, super fruity. I'm a fan. And you said your your mom picked this one out, right? Yes, she did. I wish I had a little more I, some honey in it. Would have oh yeah, that would be good. Tapped it off real nice. But it's a bright orange. It's making, it is, yeah, it is like it's giving us the little orange. zing we need <laughs> for this, what is it, 8.30 p.m.? today yeah. yeah that's right little we're we're doing it. that hustle and that hustle <laughs> and that hustle yeah so we we always have tea with Amazing. our guests so I are you tea. a tea drinker a huge tea drinker yeah nice. i kind of go through phases depending on what season we're in because mm-hmm. i'm kind of bougie that way like i have my coffee seasons and then like my tea seasons <laughs> but at night i always drink tea i always like the warm oh yeah cozy. it's yes. just like a hug totally yeah well, I want to get more back into talking about like the messiness of producing and stuff. Like, absolutely. We were talking a little bit. Um, you were saying how you wanted to explore with your guests, like what producing means to them and, and with your listeners, you know. And so I want to know for you as a producer, like, what does that really mean? Like, what do you if someone asked you what your job is, how would you describe it? Yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> it's it's really everything. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the short sort of common, often repeated answer, but everything that isn't shooting the thing, you know, mm-hmm. is, is my job. And it meaning like if someone is not pulling their weight in a certain department, producers have to step in and make it happen because mm-hmm. it's our responsibility at the end of the day to deliver and to execute to a certain quality level. And that's kind of why you're hired depending on what your job is. But you know, there's creative producing and there's more sort of line producing, which is usually somebody who is making the budget and executing the budget. And then there's a physical production aspect of producing. And that's just like getting you to make the thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's like all the post side of producing. And you know, it used to be that a producer was with a project from inception to death in a way, like mm-hmm. you had the baby and then you, you know, were with it until it died, not to yeah. be morbid, but somewhere <laughs> along the, the journey of producing, sort of these roles started being segmented out where instead of one person doing the thing, it was like, well, I'm going to do this part of the process and we'll Mm -hmm, bring someone else in to do this part of the process. And then you started adding more producer sort of titles. And that's why sometimes you'll see, especially in movies, is like 12 producers. And you're like, what does that mean? What do (laughs) these people do? And oftentimes it can be like, this is the person at the production company who found the project and developed the script. They're a producer. This is the person who got financing. They're also a producer. Mm-hmm. And this is the you know the person who got <laughs> so the cast. Yeah. And then this is the person who actually made the physical part of the movie. So yeah. all of those people are important because without those people, you don't have the whole sort of machine come together to create that thing. Mm-hmm. But then every sect of it is so different, like television producing, film producing, and now like commercial sort of branded. It's all somewhat different music videos it's all somewhat different but similar in its intention and its Mm -hmm. goals right to like make the thing and get it done on time on budget without hopefully making anyone really upset yeah (laughs) (laughs) and coming out the other side with something that's really good and sort of mentioning off mic that you really the only part of that process you can control 
is the process itself because mm -hmm. the result is really not up to you. Everybody has the best intentions, but oftentimes, I mean, we've all seen those movies or things that you're like, wow, they had all of these things to go right. <laughs> and then it's right. terrible. Like, how yeah. does that happen? And I think it's just magic what we do, like getting to all the right things have to sort of happen at the right time to create mm -hmm. something that, you know, gets seen and released. It's oh, we always yeah. say it's a miracle. Anything gets done because there's so many things along the way at every step of the process, no matter what sect of the industry you're working in that yeah. could derail mm -hmm. that yeah. plan. And then it just implodes. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I mean, I know there's like movies sometimes that I'll watch and I'm like, oh, that wasn't very good. And I try to like as a filmmaker, stop and think, well, what about it wasn't good? Was it the acting? Was it maybe the directing? Like and trying to the figure story. out what it is isn't always easy. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's like it's obvious. Yeah, it was yeah. a terrible story or whatever. Yeah. But other times it's like maybe the producer is the one that dropped the ball. But you wouldn't know that as an audience member. There's you no know, way. You don't know. You know. Well, it's a collaborative thing, right? Yeah. Which is why like when it succeeds. Why is it that the director and the producers are the only people getting credit? Mm -hmm. But when it fails, it's like, well, art department probably dropped the ball. You <laughs> yeah, know what I yeah. mean? It's so easy to like look at all the other departments as opposed to looking at the creative. But there are so many things that influence it that it's nearly impossible to predict, mm -hmm. which is also what makes it impossible to predict how something is going to be successful or how it's going to work. Like yeah. no one has that formula, not even the studios. Everybody's just right. flying by the seat of their right. pants, trying to figure it out, keeping up with audience trends, keeping up with technology now and how right, fast right. everything is moving. And it's just, you cannot predict how people are going to respond to the thing. It's mm -hmm. crazy, but it keeps it exciting. It's experimental, yeah. Yeah. you know. <laughs> it really is. It's not for the faint of heart, I will say. Like it's definitely... <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's nope. not a safe like life path for sure there's a right. lot of up and downs and it's like you have to really love that the unknown so <laughs> what what made you think i'm gonna go off and do producing i mean like, what, i what got you into that i sort of because i came out here to pursue acting and so in my journey as an actor you know, back back at the time I was doing it, it was like pre-YouTube. It was sort of the birth of all of that. Twitter had just started. So it was really difficult to be seen and to get mm -hmm. access to work. And so I was like, well, I'm going to create my own opportunities and I'm going to produce something. I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to put it together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that ended up becoming a play that I put on because I loved theater. I had always done theater. And yeah. it's like, this is the thing. And I'm a theater actor, you know. Yeah. And so I put on this show. <laughs> and I got an investor and found a space and put it all together thinking, well, this is the thing and managers are going to discover me and I'm going to go to the next level of my acting career. And really what it did is it opened this this door up where everybody was like, wait, you produce that? I was like, yeah. And they're like, you didn't know what you were doing? I was like, no. And they're like, what? What? <laughs> like, you should be doing this. Like, not that you shouldn't act, but you're really good at this. Yeah. And it really fit with all of just my natural abilities. And I think as I've been doing my podcast, I, I've started to see that there's a common through line between the kinds of people that are drawn into that position. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar to how I'm wired, you know, very goal oriented, very like you sort of like want to complete tasks and see the results immediately. Like that's not acting. That's not the acting sort of <laughs> yeah. path because so much is out of your control. And it just was hard for me to like get behind that. So I said, well, right. if I'm going to have a career as an actor, I want it to be because I'm creating that for myself and mm -hmm. not waiting for someone to give me the opportunity. Amen. Yeah. 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 Definitely that's right. Exactly. That. Yeah. Why yeah, we started. Why exactly. we started. Yeah. Yeah. And we that's, yeah. Yeah. And that's so, yeah. honestly like 
the best way to do it, no matter what your interest is, is I think you have to create your own path, right? Mm -hmm. And we all hear that and you're like, oh, yes, but tell me the shortcut. Like, I don't yeah. want to, you know, do the work. Right. And the truth is there just isn't. You have to put in the work. You have to go through all the terrible experiences that make you cry and make you want to quit. Mm -hmm. But you have to keep going. And it just... Like I heard this once that it takes 10 years minimum to make an overnight success, you know? Yeah. And yeah. by the time people catch you in moments of your life or your career and they think, wow, like you probably, this is so easy. Like this is just all happening now. It's like, yeah, you're seeing the fruits of seeds that I planted a decade ago and you yeah. happen to be crossing ships with me at this time in my yeah. career. But had you met me five years ago, I'm just like you. I've been scrambling and hustling and grinding and finding my own way. And I think that's a really valuable lesson that that's one of the things I love about my, my podcast is that everybody's journey is so different and mm -hmm. there really isn't one way. And for every person that did this and another person that didn't do this and they yeah, had yeah, yeah. very different results, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. And so I think it's just going with your interest and trusting your instincts, I think, mm -hmm. is really important. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like there. I, I would say the common ground is that that whole like I'm just going to go out there, put myself forward and everyone has their own way of doing that and yeah. like path. But that just the energy and doing it and just yeah. going for it, I think, is like like the common denominator well, for I mean, making it the work only people that are going to get success are the ones that try. <laughs> you know, if people are just sitting back yeah. not doing anything, anything. it's not going to come to them. I mean, there's a lot to be said for enthusiasm mm -hmm. and dedication to learning that I think speaks volumes over talent mm -hmm. in this industry. You know, if you're going to put in the work and you're going to show up and you're going to be humble, not have an ego about what you're doing, I think that doors are going to open for you and people are going to want to be around that energy, right? Because yeah. who wants to be around someone who thinks they know it all or like, I don't know, comes into a situation with right. a certain ego. It's like, I right. will rather hire someone with a good attitude than with experience. Mm -hmm. sometimes depending on what the position is because right. i'd rather have that on the ninth hour you know yeah um and experience i mean i don't know i think it can be overrated sometimes you yeah. know i think it's like you get to a certain point in your career it's like yes you have the resume but if yeah. you're a terrible human doesn't matter like <laughs> yeah you know and i i just met someone who like they were like you know i don't ever want to work with someone who went to film school like i rather find the person who just kind of really worked hard to just figuring it out yeah. because that's the kind of quality and trait that I think makes a person successful on a project on a given situation because when they don't have the whole I went to blah 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 mm -hmm. right, 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 right. With blah 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 and like and, and it's just like that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you know what you're doing yeah. all the time yeah and I learned that the hard way because I really I didn't go to film school I'm sort of self-taught like I said I came out here just kind of ground grinded it out, found my own path and everything I know and everything I have and I've accomplished today is through the result of like messing up and learning yeah, on the yeah. job and, you know, not lying, but really <coughs> feeling like I was at a certain point, like ready to accept the challenge to move on to the next thing. So someone mm -hmm. said, can you do this? I was like, yep, absolutely. And I yeah. didn't know how to, but I knew I'd find the answer, you know, and I was going to work hard to mm -hmm. figure it out. And that I think is an important thing as well. But I always thought, well, like I didn't go to NYU and I don't have a USC network. Like, yeah, but I know a lot of people, especially producers specifically who did go to those schools, who did go to AFI and don't work today as a producer. Yeah. So like I said, for every one person that went to one of those programs is a person who, who did as well and maybe isn't working. So mm -hmm. you cannot look at one person's journey and think that that's the sort of answer to everything. Right. Yeah. 
So and and, right. and some people like need that school to be the the caveat that sort of or the catalyst rather that mm-hmm. gets yes. them to mm-hmm. LA or gets into these bigger markets. If you're from a small town somewhere, sometimes yeah. you need that push of, a, of a, something structured. Mm-hmm. So you're not just being thrown into the craziness that is yeah, Los and that's Angeles. totally fine. Like, yeah. again, it's, there's no, like, this is the way to do it. And that's yeah. not the way to do it. I think, yeah, I think we're just saying like it, you can, as long as you have that attitude, that passion yeah. to just yeah. learn I think learning is just like, I mean, look, I can't tell you the last time I went in for a job where my resume was like looked at like that, you know, you get to Mm -hmm. a point where it's about, can you do the job? Are you a good person? Like, that's it. You know? Yes. And yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. And yes. Thank you. you (laughs) And it takes, it takes a while to get to that place. I'm not going to lie. Like there is a lot of stuff you get to be at that place and building a resume. I'm not saying that's not important, of course, but eventually whatever like schooling or you did to get you there doesn't ultimately matter. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. like when I would go into auditions and I always thought, well, like they're going to look at my resume and they're going to see that I didn't go to one of the big like schools. Nobody ever looked at that. Nobody right. ever cared. Like, right. unless they had also gone there, that was the only time they'd be like, Oh, you went to blah, blah, blah. Exactly. I did too. <laughs> I also went to Emerson and that was like the extent of it, you know, yeah. that never helped you get the job. It's like, how are you going to show up? Mm-hmm. what is your work ethic and yeah. to me that's no different than if you're pursuing acting or producing or any of the other disciplines of this business i think that speaks more more highly than right. everything else mm-hmm. yeah i know in so many like especially commercial acting classes that i've taken they're always like you know your audition starts as soon as you enter the room because right. really they're looking for someone who yeah has talent but is someone that's easy to work with they want to see mm-hmm. that you're a personality that just works that vibes with them that you're going to be easy to work with more so than you can you know do this script and yeah. pull it off you know so it's yeah it's the same thing it's like you've got to have that drive and whether or not you know exactly what you're doing be able to learn it and yeah. just have that attitude and like that's going to make all the difference yeah and commercial auditions are a whole other beast because it's mm-hmm. like you can it's if they're not buying what you're selling that day it doesn't matter yeah. it's not up to you <laughs> and i've been yeah. on the other side of those conversations and you see like really great people come in but they're like yeah but we need a blonde i mean it really mm-hmm. comes down to superficial things because it's sales right exactly. they're selling a product they're selling a service there's a lot of people behind the scenes who spent a lot of time figuring out how this thing should look right and you have to fit within the confines of whatever that is for someone else mm-hmm. either you are or you are not or like not. you can't change who you are exactly so. Yeah. So then where on the producing line of things do you find like you feel like this is the position I thrive in the most uh, as far as like the type of producer you are? Well, I came up really doing physical production. So I like learned by making a lot of shorts and messing up and being the person who did everything right. Like I did the budget Mm -hmm. and did the crafty and figured it out and helped post and all of that and then as i started learning more and got into commercials (coughs) i started coordinating it's very like office heavy stuff Mm -hmm. paperwork and then you start production managing and then you start producing and so those skill sets from the commercial perspective are very um sort of the same as when you go into more the film television world which is working as a physical producer like Mm -hmm. a upm unit production manager slash line producer so now for the past like five years i would say that's been the extent of my work and my experience is being mm-hmm. the person that you have the project, the project is greenlit, everything is ready to go. We know we're going to go into prep and we're going to shoot on these dates. Then I get the call mm-hmm. like, hey, we're going to meet with line producers. We're ready to go into production like we want to bring the right person on. And then there's usually a series of interviews. 
And then you're the first person, usually like the first hire, I would say. And then from there, you help crew and staff up and bring the rest of the team. Um, sometimes people... You find all those players that... Yeah, or sometimes... all the departments? All departments. Or, okay. Sometimes you come into a project and the director already has the DP they want, right? right. Or the, the production designer they love, and that's cool. Like the really creative positions sometimes are already filled, but oftentimes they don't. Like the direct a first time director and they don't really know and they're open to meeting with people and you can really influence that conversation, which as a line producer is great because you can put people to the, bring people to the right. table that you know understand production mm-hmm. and are not just gonna be sort of creative partners to the director. They also understand, yes, we gotta get this and achieve this, but this is your budget and you have to come in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because otherwise it creates a nightmare situation for the line producer who's kind of trying to reel it all in and keep it all under control while still honoring what the director has envisioned. But oftentimes line producers get the rep of being the no man, the no woman, mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. a lot of like, we want to do an explosion. It's like, well, <laughs> can we find a different way? Yeah. You know, right. like we're not really set up for that. So it's all about creative problem solving. Um, and that's the extent of what I do is like I come in and I do prep and production. And then mm-hmm. usually when post comes up, I usually kind of dip out, I wrap up the project and yeah. I dip out. Sometimes I oversee or I help depending on what the producers who hire me need. Do you include the post production costs and as part of the budget you're given? Yeah. I mean, so typically the way it works is like a producer will give me a budget that they've built and they'll say, this is going to be $10 million. Mm -hmm. This is how we want to spend it. Right. And then they'll hire someone like me. By the time I come in, I go through that budget line by line, hence line producer. And I go, Mm -hmm. okay, well, here's where you're missing things. Here's like where your fringes are wrong. And here's actually, I can get you a better deal in post. And you kind of sort of move numbers around. So you're constantly moving things around, but there are certain hard costs that you can't right skip on right for example union rates are mandated you can't really move that stuff Mm -hmm. around um and then you kind of help shape the budget to whatever it is like so sometimes you can come in and they'll say hey this is at 10 but we really need it to be at 9.5 help us get get it there yeah and you have those conversations the entire time like it never really ends Uh you know and you're the person sort of always keeping this on track and saying hey i know we wanted to spend this but the location your director wants is going to put us $200,000 over the location's budget. Is that a concession you want to make? Because we pull it from here. Like it's always, mm-hmm. that's the conversation you're constantly having. Um, so yes, the, like you see the entire budget, like it's soup to nuts budget, right? Deliver rules, right. the whole thing, how much right. you're going to spend in festivals, yeah. if that's the thing. We see all of that. But typically I'm not touching post in, in any way aside from trying to negotiate better deals for them with okay. vendors that I'll have connect like relationships with and stuff. So, um, and yeah, that's kind of it. And then from that point on, usually, you know, I go to the rap party. Yeah. And then, <laughs> that's when the fun part is <laughs> the fun part. And then hopefully you get to see the movie when it premieres somewhere. And that's when you reunite with everybody. But when I started producing, um, the first thing I ever sort of big thing I produced that kind of put me on the radar as like an up and coming producer was a documentary called autism and love that premiered at Tribeca and went on to like become mm-hmm. Emmy nominated, which that's is really awesome. cool. And that was the first thing that I produced like soup to nuts, like the mm-hmm. way I want to be producing. Yeah. Which is like, I, I knew the the guy who had the idea. I helped him develop the idea. We raised money for the sizzle. We found a director. We put it together. So mm-hmm. everything, every part of that process, like I was saying earlier, what a true sort of old school producer used to do. There was one producer and you mm-hmm. did all of the things. I got to do all of those things for that project. And I loved mm. that part of the process yeah. because mm-hmm. you get to be like, you're married to it. It's yeah. forever, you know, it's a forever part of your thing. And even though it's been however many years, if there's an email or if there's an issue about that project, like I got to be the one to step up and handle it. Right. Even though I'm not getting paid and it was a doc. So it's not like I made a fortune on it, Mm -hmm. but 
But that's what like what I would say a capital P producer tends to do. The person who found the property or developed the property and is with it until it's out in the world and doing whatever Mm -hmm. it's going to (coughs) do. Excuse me. So for me, it's like I'm at this. More tea, please. Yeah, of course. So for me, I'm at this place where I really want to find more opportunities to creatively produce, leaning into the physical production line producing aspect Mm -hmm. of what I know. Oftentimes, the two roles are so segregated that creative producers are really good at like giving notes or bringing talent on, but they don't understand how to make the movie. And then they hire me to go, hey, here's the script. (laughs) <laughs> Carolina bumping hey, the mic. I'm just <laughs> life with caca, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, we have this script and we want to make it for for five million dollars. And I'll look at it and I go, I'm sorry, but the movie you've written cost eight. Like, yeah. make the concession of either you make the cuts to make the five million dollar version of it, or you make it for eight. So there's a, a huge sect of creative producers who've come up sort of like as assistants at maybe mm-hmm. management companies and are really good with notes and. Like I said, like the talent aspect of it, who don't necessarily know how to translate what's on the page yeah, to right. a budget and a plan. And that's where I come in and help create that for them. So I think having both skill sets in one person is rare and rarer these days. Like I said, because the industry can be so segregated yeah, in that way with right. what the jobs are and what you do. Um, but there are people who just make a career as a line producer and that's all yeah. they want to do. And it, there's no, you know, there's nothing like bad about that. It's just they love being the person who just is kind of like behind a screen and handling sort of more the budget part of it. Whereas the UPM typically is the onset producer that you'll see running around and mm-hmm. telling the director, we got to cut this or dealing with crew stuff when it comes up. Oftentimes in the indie world, that position is the same because yeah. you don't have the budget to have two of them. Right. <laughs> so you're doing both jobs. And mm-hmm. that's how I came up doing both jobs. So I'm curious to get to the next level of my career where I'm working in like bigger budgets and like it's a little more separated and maybe yeah. I'll like love it or I'll hate it. <laughs> which, I'm one, so used... which one would you go for? I think line producing is more mm-hmm. my jam. Yeah. Like, I, can, I, I love... can see that. I just, just I love the set yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. But I'm just honestly like burnt out from mm-hmm. that part of it because it's yeah. like, very emotionally draining. Not that line producing is any easier. It's just a different yeah different challenge yeah essentially totally. yeah like you're responsible essentially like if you think of like a budget right we always hear below the line mm-hmm. and everybody's like what does that mean and so below the line if you think of like the below the line it's literally a heading in a budget and at the very top of the below the line section is your upm right mm-hmm. and at the very bottom of your above the line section of your budget which is where all your producers and directors and actors live in the budget mm-hmm. is the line producer yeah. so the line producer and the upm constantly are talking to each other to marry both of those worlds mm-hmm. correct and so that's yeah, where absolutely. and that's where i'd like to be more yeah. doing more of that and being more of a creative producer on projects Nice. Yeah. Well, that's super helpful. Like, I feel like I just learned so much about producing too. And like, you know, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I I love breaking it down like that. Yeah. Thank you. That was like our listeners. This is gold. Like, thank you, Kaka. Oh my God. (laughs) Gracias, mamá. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to wrap up, um, tell our listeners, well, first of all, I want to recommend your podcast because I loved listening to it. I learned a lot and it was entertaining. Like, you have some great guests. I mean, guys, she had Eva Longoria on her first episode. Like, household name. That's awesome. 
Yeah. You know, She's so cool. recommend that already. It's called Life with Kaka. If you already have forgotten that, <laughs> remind <laughs> you again. But let our listeners know where else they can find you, like social media, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty searchable. If you just Google me, I'm up, up on all the things. And it's just Carolina Gropa on Instagram, on Twitter, all of that. And the show's at Life with Kaka. Right now, it's really only existing socially on Instagram because mm-hmm. I'm a one woman band. I'm doing yeah. all the things alone. <laughs> so I kind of try to keep it streamlined. Um, most of my audience is on Instagram. So I try to keep everything there. Um, but yeah, I hope that your listeners check out the show. I think it's a really interesting way to have access into these people that are sort of more visible in our industry mm-hmm. to have these conversations about what it means to live the life of a producer in their shoes, what yeah. that means to them. So you take like Eva Longoria, who's an executive producer. It's like, what does it mean when an actor is a producer? Like, what yeah. is that? We see that all the time. Right. And that this is her version of that. Because if I spoke to another actor who's also a producer, it'd be a different conversation. Right. But then conversations with people who are very much at the top of their game as far as like, you know, Alana Mayo, who mm-hmm. runs Michael B. Jordan's production company. Yeah. And that's a whole different, like, I don't, that's a whole different world <laughs> yeah. I know nothing about, you know, coming up the studio system and running a company. Like, that's a whole different world. And so the, the goal of the show is to have guests from all walks of life, mm-hmm. from producing walks of life, to really demystify what producers do and what that journey has been like for them. Exactly. Yeah. And their roles. That's, I, I love it. I, yeah. It's so great, guys. <laughs> it. Check yeah. it out. Well, thank you so oh much for God. coming on today. No, thank you so much. Honestly, this yeah. is my first time being a guest on someone's oh, podcast. Yay. Oh my god! So you guys like are popping my podcast. Right? Perfect. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, this well, is awesome. Cheers. Yes. Cheers, cheers to that. Clink cheers. That. Clink. Yay. Clink long distance Clink to you. Distance. <laughs> but thank you and congrats on this. By the way, thank you, you guys so are doing much. amazing stuff and keep at it. Thank you and thank, thank you. you, listeners. Yes. We will see you next episode. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.